When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. And alongside me, we've got my colleague, Connor O'Neill, and the person I, op- I often call regular contributors, but been told that that's a little bit too formal and not really fair for you. So I've been given a few alternative <laughs> suggestions, Gav. So do you want to choose, obviously, Everton's foremost statistician. Yeah. Do you want to choose one of the following for your, your next introduction? Yeah. You've got preeminent pundit, foremost fact man, the Goodison Guru, the Everton Memory Master, the Brain Buckland, or the Stat Master. Any, any jumping out to you there? Oh, six, to be honest with you. They're just alternating, you know, like <laughs> rotation, you know. <laughs> yeah, Everton statistician will be uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. Like I don't it. want to say the pundit one, you know. No, I'm sorry. You would disagree having... with that, to be fair, preeminent pundits. I'm sorry if I haven't done you such a, such a disservice for the past uh, past few months. So No, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I can live with that, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Right, well, we'll, we'll crack into it. Obviously, Everton beat Sporting on Saturday, last game of the pre season. Um, we're a couple of days out. We're recording on the Tuesday. Fulham just days away. Connor Yusef Chimiti pretty much through the door. He isn't quite confirmed as we as we're talking, but bar any Arnold Danjuma style U turns or, or collapses, we we think he will be an Everton player very very shortly. Just in terms of, we'll do all the big preseason prediction stuff on Friday, but. Having been there on Saturday at Goodison Park, having, as you did, obviously you spoke to Sean Dyche after the game, you spoke to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and just kind of having looked at the, the feedback since and the response to that game and some of your pieces, where do you see Everton at this present moment in time? I think it's a very difficult question to answer because it's almost like you're watching two Everton's in the sense of you're watching one with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which mm-hmm. you think if he's up front, leading the line, fifth and majority games this season... Everton will be a different prospect to what we've seen over the last two seasons. If we watch Everton without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which we have done for a large part of this pre-season, you're a little bit sceptical to think of where Everton are right now in terms of, you know, are they going to be, is it going to be enough to avoid the battle, to avoid the drop? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's almost like on Saturday we saw with that first half, which I think before the game we all thought was probably not too dissimilar to what we might see against Fulham this weekend. Obviously, Sean Dyche, Question that a little bit after when he kind of suggested that Dominic Calvert Lewin might not be fit enough to start given he's only played two forty five minutes. I don't think anybody quite expects Ben Godfrey to be in the back four, do no, we? No, maybe maybe that was the only other change, but yeah. I think in terms of you know, around about Pearsdale and the way Everton set up is probably what we would expect. Yeah. And I think it was quite promising. I think okay, you know, both sides had chances, etc. But the difference Dominic Calvert Lewin makes up front is clear for all to see. Um but if we're looking at maybe like a Stoke performance, which obviously mean you were at the better three six five, and you know it was wasn't great. I think we can all we can all admit, and it was a bit alarming, a bit worrying. I think mm-hmm. Ever, you, you're a little bit sceptical going into the season. So I think we're looking at now two two different Everton's essentially. Um, I don't think Yusuf Shemetti will come straight in. I, I, I highly doubt that. I think you know it'd be a big ask for the 19 year old to come in and, and start leading the line on the opening day of the season. Um, just, just simply because he's not done any part of pre-season, mm-hmm. and you know, by the time we do get him over the line, you suspect this week, 
I suspect they're thinking for form will be well underway and t- tactics and whatnot will be you know already be at an advanced stage. So I think in terms of where Everton are at now, it, it's all dependent, isn't it? We feel like we're always saying this, but it's all dependent on the Calvert Lewin. <laughs> and I, I know, I know we we're only what calling into this podcast already. We sound like a yeah. broken record in recent years, but that's the reality, isn't it? You know, from what we've seen so far this summer, Everton are a different side with Dominic Calvert Lewin leading the line. So if he's fit and he's available, you suspect Everton could be mid table quite comfortably this mm-hmm. season. If he's not. It's big pressure on Yusuf Shemetti if, if Kevin Felwell and Sean Dyke don't manage to bring any other forwards in this summer. But I think we would all like to hope that at least they wing and another forward will, will arrive before the, the transfer window shuts. You spoke to both Dyke and Calvert-Lewin, as I've already referenced. Having had that conversation with both of them, do you think Calvert-Lewin starts on Saturday? No, because of what Sean Dyke said. Yeah. I think he thinks he can be... You don't think he's playing games or anything like that? Because no. the one thing I thought a little bit, because obviously you said the same about Dan Juma and... You know, I, I think Dan Juma is possibly a bit further ahead in where he thinks he is fitness-wise than Sean Dyche perhaps let on uh, the other day. And um, what part of me thinks that in, in this squad in its current form, there aren't many tricks that Sean Dyche can play. There's a very obvious style of playing for, for Everton. And one of the few cards he's got up his sleeve is, is the idea of perhaps making the case that some of these players won't be involved and then... You know, if, if Fulham rock up at Goodison Park on Saturday and all of a sudden Dan, Dan Juma's on the left wing and, and Calvert-Lewin's up front having spent three days preparing for something different, it's a big difference compared to, say, Mope and Garner and Iwobi mm. out wide, isn't it? Yeah, and, and look, you know, I think we'd all love to be su- surprised with me on Saturday if the team she dropped and Dominic Calvert-Lewin does start because that means um, they've got a better chance of winning the game, which is simple as that. I just thought the way the way Sean Dyche spoke about Dominic Calvert-Lewin after the game was that they're kind of maybe going to hold him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's clearly been following this this game's program over the summer, which obviously you know started when he went to, made the trip to Germany and, and and looked to you know kind of build better foundations for his body. Dice said that they weren't had the points in which he could maybe start games in terms of that game's program right now. So you know one suspects maybe given, especially I think given what however have treated Dominic Calvert-Lewin this preseason because obviously you know his first taste of action came against Mons in the mm-hmm. behind closed doors game and then the first chance we got to see him was on Saturday you know before that Everton had played four games five if you include Tramier so there was multiple opportunities for him to get game time he didn't get any game time in, in them games because Everton chose to keep him back mm-hmm. so I just think given what Sean Dyche said I, I would be surprised if he is selected to lead the line but it'd be good to have him on the bench to come on certainly if that was what Sean Dice chooses to do. You know, Dom thinks he's fit. You know, speaking to Dom afterwards, he thinks he's fit. He thinks he's, you know, ready. And he, he was, you know, spoke, spoke with refreshing honesty, I think, you know, in terms of football, of the difficulties he's faced and what he's been through. And I know I think it was really good, interesting insight into the trip to Germany and what I think can be behind that and why he felt that was so important to do. But ultimately, Sean Dice picks the team and ultimately, Sean Dice said on, on Saturday evening that he doesn't think Dom is, is fit to play. So I would love to be surprised, but I think right now, I would be, you know, wouldn't be surprised if Dominic Calvert loses a Saturday's game on the bench. Gav, if Dominic Calvert doesn't start, and say Yusuf Chimichi has come through the door, who are you starting up front? And and I appreciate that. It obviously, sounds like a daft question. The fact that obviously Chimichi has probably had very little. He would have had very very little time to work with seventh side. I'm just trying to think who, if we're working on the basis of we're taking Sean Dyche's, you know, what you said there, no Dan Juma no Calvert-Lewin we know that Dwight Manil is out for at least a couple of weeks yeah I mean what what's your what's your attacking line up there no Gray either 
no grave and, has uh, filled is, the role which hasn't is, he yeah which is, which is a really interesting one actually and yeah. maybe that's probably better to to come on to at the you minute know, but in terms of starting up front you load roads lead to one player don't they, I, think they players, do. isn't I, it? Think so, yeah. I, can't, I can't see any other scenario um, that, that that sort of fits to be honest with you um, pity's on Callum's injured yeah yeah or he's been injured sorry yeah and I just so it's just got to go with that avenue, really, at the end of the day. I mean, it, it, I think Mope starting and Cavaloon on the bench is better. At least there's, I mean, Cavaloon's got us, you know, I'm not necessarily his biggest fan. You know, there's sort of lace at the end of the tunnel there, isn't it, I suppose. Mm. So I, I think I think it, it's Mopai, isn't it, really? I can't, I can't see uh, I can't see anything else. So when you ask uh, Dice about Cavaloon on Saturday, he's just pressed a tape recorder, did he? Just, yeah. <laughs> here's my answer, you know. Yeah, the, no, and Mopai, Mopai for me. Mm. Um, and that might be unpalatable, but I think there's a, there's not exactly flush with options there, are we? No. E- even wingers playing as strikers, we're not, not, not flush, are we? I can't see it to me to be being available. You know, it's, it's going to take him a month or two, isn't it? Really, you would say before he gets anywhere near fitness. And but hopefully we look at you know probably look at this at some point. We we do need another striker, as we said before, haven't we? Yeah, well, that's going to be my next yeah, question. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. if Chimichi comes through the door as as we expect, then what becomes the priority for your next move in the transfer window? Gav, I'll start with you. Does it is it another striker that bridges the gap, say between? You Dominic Cal- you got what you want. Someone that can challenge and compete and act as yeah. back up for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but also take the pressure off Chimichi coming in, having to do something extraordinary in his you know the very first steps of his career. Or are you actually moving on to you know, a right winger or centre back or something? I think I think the centre back is something we need to talk about yeah. at some point because we saw it on Saturday. You know, we we say about. Um, Carvalhoon being indispensable. Well, actually, you'd argue that Tarkovsky's just as so, indispensable, yeah. isn't he? Uh, when you look at the options, so I think centre back is something that is something worth looking at, definitely. But I think yeah, another striker on the basis that we we it's just, it's just caused us loads of problems. I'm not necessarily a fan of when you look at the options, just getting somebody is like. Chimiti and Calvalu, so we've got like three, six, four, four <laughs> strikers, you know, who are we Wimbledon in the mid eighties, you know. I think you need something that is a bit different, but not too different that you've got to change the entire style of mm. play of the team. So I think it'd be somebody who's sort of like trying to think like halfway between Mope and Calvert Lewin, if mm. you if you see if you know what I mean, something like something like that. I'd rather have that than than three, six, four, four strikers in, yeah. in, in in the three leading roles really that's the profile I'd wish to say would that Connor would that lead you to perhaps more I mean, obviously a name that's emerged this week's Pats and Dakar would you be more likely to go down that kind of route where you've got somebody who is big you know he is big and strong but he's also very pacey as opposed to say a Che Adams who perhaps is more fits in that Everton system as it is probably a little bit better I'm not against either of them, to, no. to be honest. I, I think either of them could come in and, and do a job. I mean, Shai Adams is someone, obviously, we reported last week that there's interest there. And, you know, he's someone who has been attracted interest, I think, for a long time. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. think back to last summer in January where there were links with, with him. Dakar, I think, is someone who's not really hit the heights expected. I think it's safe to say that when he come, when he, when he arrived at Leicester, it was a massive coup for them. And, and he was someone seen as an up-and-coming promising, you know, European talent. I don't think it's quite quite happened but there's certainly potential and talent there mm-hmm. um, so I wouldn't be against either of them you know I, I think Everton need a centre forward they need someone who can come in who's, who's proven used to play in the Premier League because you know Shamati might be a great a great emerging talent 
but it's a big ask to come and lead the line. I mean, Dom, going back to Dom, but Dom spoke to it himself at the weekend where he said, you know, when I come back and play, I have a big role, an important role to play. You know, I don't I don't kind of get eased back into games. And, no. You know, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, when, yeah. I, when I play, I read the line by myself and there's a lot, yeah. of, basically saying there's a lot expected of me. Mm. And that's the same for any Everton forward. You, know, you think of Neil Mopay, you think of, you know, anyone who comes in, is it, you know, Sims last season at times, anyone who comes in for Everton has got to be able to lead the line and, and put a real shift in. I think Shea Adams could do that. I think Patson Zaha could do that. I think they're probably the right names we should be we probably should be linked with right now because, you know, for being realistic, the club haven't got the war chest that they once had to go out and just spend big, you know, they've got to be a bit more astute. So I wouldn't be against either of them but I do agree, I think, with Gavin, it's got to be a centre forward. I think, you know, when you think, you know, McNeil will soon be back fit. Dan Juma, you know, you suspect isn't too far away. You've got a Wobie. I think James Garner can play up okay he's not got the, the dynamic pace of maybe a, a natural winger but I don't you know wouldn't have any groans if he was out wide at times this season if it meant Everton got in went got another centre four because ultimately like we've seen goals change games goals win games and, and Everton haven't scored enough goals over the last two years to win games and I think you know the stats last year were quite interesting defensively and we feel they were around mid-table not great but around mid-table but yeah, when it comes to goals, not only were they one of the lowest scorers, I think they were second lowest scorers in the Premier League. They were in the top 10 lowest scorers in the top seven leagues in Europe. So the, the problem is scoring goals and that's mm. why Everton have got to get at least another centre forward in along with Shamati this summer because they are the difference. Having had the opportunity to watch him in action on the Saturday, have you seen anything which, which suggests to you that Victor Cockeres wouldn't have been a brilliant signing this time last year when he was perhaps a bit more attainable and, and Everton had a little bit more money and Coventry were, were far less um, advanced in, in their own standing as they are now, having obviously ended up having an, an almost promotion winning season at in the Championship? You know, they should have gambled last year. I mean, you spoke about this at length, didn't you, last week? Right. They should have gambled last year. They should have went from this summer. Obviously, I think he was a little bit... Probably out of their reach, out, out by, their reach in the end. Point, um, so. But I did write on, on, on you know, the Sunday analysis that, given what we saw against Everton on Saturday, he's a player the club should still be looking at moving forward. I think if he goes to, to Portugal and blossoms and, mm. and continues to score goals, there's no reason why fair down the line Everton should be making a move for him because... He certainly showed on Saturday that he's got all the elements to be a top centre forward. I mean, he's only denied a goal by a great save by Jordan Pickford. Mm. You know, he set two chances up. His turn of pace, he was strong. And yeah, it was one of the moments where you think another one who got away, basically, mm. you know, because he, he could have very easily filled the void that Everton have got. Um, so yeah, I think he's one who Everton should continue to, to monitor and look at because he's, you know, he, he was for being on superb at times wasn't he on Saturday and he was he and I think it, yeah, there were genuine positives from, from Saturday's performance I thought you know and I thought Everton were good value for their win come the end of the game but if we're being perfectly honest the first half an hour was spoiling with a better side and probably should have been two or three nil up and Gokka is he missed one chance but he laid two two on a platter didn't he for his teammates for Goncalves and, and, and I think it might have been the right back but the back post really sporting should have been well ahead shouldn't they yeah, and obviously, you know, like we say, he was only denied himself by a great save by Jordan Jordan mm. Pickford. Um, and there's yeah. no shame that either. So let's be honest, Sporting are a good side, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, of course. They not started up in the last year, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, not, no, that's not, not a dig at Everton or no, anything like yeah. that. This was a, you know, Everton went into that game underdogs, really, I yeah, think. Yeah, you they? know, so. and, and like they've added, obviously, that team last year done extremely well and they've added Victor Gorkas to, to the forward line. So they've strengthened again. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, he just showed, didn't he, that he's got all the elements to, to be a Premier League centre forward as well I think was the big thing because he was big and strong mm. and he had a, a good turn at pace and I think that's 
one thing we've learnt over the years, isn't it, is that you can be a good European centre forward, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a good Premier League centre forward. You see players have gone and you know, scored goals in Holland or Spain, or but then they come to the Premier League and they just you know can't cope with the physicality or can't cope with the pace of the games, etc. Whereas on Saturday he generally looks like, and let's face it, if he's gone and scored goals in the Championship. Okay, people say it's the second tier, but the championships are tough, tough league. And and you know we we spoke to me, you know, do the week about Tom Cannon Shamati in terms of is scoring three goals in Portugal as impressive as scoring eight goals in the championship. Yeah. You know, you know. So yeah. you know, th- there are them factors to take into it. But no, Gorka certainly ticked every box. And you know, the only issue I think now is is that he's going to have a lot of clubs watching him. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, mean, I, and I like again, your, and it's, it could become beyond their reach. I, I like your positivity. If he goes there and does well off the back of a £20 million plus move, I'm interested to see how quickly you think, how far you think Sean Dyche can take this Everton side and how quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll very easily become a £50 million player, couldn't he? Put it this way. Um, Gav, you mentioned Damari Gray there. Yeah. I mean, it does seem slightly peculiar that for all the... Um, yeah, for, for all that we know that his future probably doesn't lie at Everton and we could probably have seen that at the back end of, of, of last season given the paucity of options Evan have going forward and the fact that we know he's someone that could potentially do a degree of a job there it's a little bit strange to see him not, not involved at this stage isn't it? Very, very strange isn't mm-hmm. it? Obviously I mean there's talk of a move to about well, Fulham, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. you know, and maybe possibly abroad. And I find that like I find that a bit a bit baffling because he has. I mean, I mean, his best displays for the last twelve months probably four because when he played as a striker, he had to work hard, involve himself in the game a bit more. And you, you just, you, just the 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 inkling you get there for is that he's going, mm. and it's just a case of just sorting it out and and um, you know just and, and just go for for a fee. Um, and whatever Phoebe get will be good business for us I think yeah, it's in report yeah. of 1.7 million I know I've said before I've not like that you can go can feasibly go on a free next year if there's an option there as mm. for another year but it depends who's got the option the player the, the club or the, the club, uh, club have the player yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so um, I, I think yeah it makes sense if he's got to go we need we obviously need the cash mm. and what the club are saying is we'd rather have the cash now than play him for a couple of games two or three games before the end of the transfer window we want the cash now to invest in the transfer window mm. is the only conclusion you can draw from that really and that's why he's not is there a danger above. do you think that in trying to play that game and end up in a situation where they're cutting off their nose despite their face they're entering in a situation where they might get far lower for them at the end of August than what they would have done now and fewer points in the games that he misses possibly as, but yeah. you don't know that's all theoretical mm-hmm. people said that last season oh, we, we threw away the first five games because Carver-Lewin didn't play well you can't say that can you you, know what I mean? no. you can say we were weaker yeah. but you can't say we threw it away I mean and, and I think I, th- I, I think I think the great thing is to me is we just want want him to go and we want the cash mm-hmm. as soon as possible. I, I do wonder with Gray because Sean Dyche spoke about him on Saturday after the game. He said the reason he wasn't involved is because he come back late and he's not he's not anywhere near the level of fitness to to, to play. Um, but I do wonder whether he will go to Fulham. But he'll go to Fulham next after week after the game. After it the does. Game, you, it it, it yeah. does. That, that's a narrative uh, that's uh, quite a compelling one. The minute that it's just yeah. a case of. Don't have him in the position where you can come even, back to even if he's not away. fit, but he comes off the bench yeah. for ten minutes to go. Good, so we all know what's going to happen, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've all we've all seen, you know. In the but I don't know whether he will go to Fulham, but I think it's just yeah. It'll go. You wouldn't be surprised if by next Sunday morning mm. or Sunday afternoon, there's developments in terms of him going to Fulham. Yeah. it's just a case of not maybe want to risk him coming back to haunt us so quick, and it 
I, I get that. I'm, or after the registration window. The, the, I just, just wondering, is, would we get the same fee for them before the Fulham game? after <laughs> well you know what I mean is that a negotiation thing as Fulham well, say well if you're not going to sell them before, to us before uh, before we play on the opening day we're going to offer you a slightly lower fee than what we would have done before and just, just one of them like little thing, things which either way it's both ways isn't yeah, it? yeah. Maybe you want to protect their asset and not want to you know. and they're, they're, that's probably about what, that's probably why there's a reason being a delay but you can just get the impression we want, he's a cashable asset for the player I've said before who this season just gone through our options you've got some decent options out wise with Dan Gemer and, and McNeil have me mm. and stuff it will be said even Garner like his play he's got some decent options he's a saleable asset of somebody who next season if things are reasonably well for us is going to spend most of it on the bench isn't he yeah. and so therefore get the cash yeah. and I think that's basically what, what, what's informing the, this chain of events really with him yeah it really is interesting Connor um, we've touched on Tarkovsky's injury and we know that Dwight McNeil's out we suspect that Dan Juma and Calvert-Lewin may not quite make the start in 11 Everton cursed. <laughs> You're only asking this now. <laughs> do, you, do you think? Do you think? Well, 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 my, my, do you think the dice is on? Is has been unlucky? I mean, when you look at preseason so far, do you think that he's done the best that he could with what he's got to get this team as ready as they can be for a first game of the season? And all of a sudden, he's in a situation where three, potentially four of his first team, first eleven, are out injured. I mean, do you think it's just bad luck? Yeah, I think it is a little bit. Yeah, I think it is right. a little bit. I mean, you know, my uncle throws the bus now, but he said to, <laughs> he said to me last week when he seen Dan Juma was picked up that knock on Friday, and he said to me on Saturday morning, "Where is it when they step out in that pitch at Finch Farm? Is, it, is the grass infected?" Or something? <laughs> <laughs> because why all our football players get injured on? <laughs> and yeah, you know, I think it is just bad luck, isn't it? Because. I mean, at the end of the day, McNeil was a tackle, wasn't it, against Stoke, which is a, which is a pretty physical friendly, wasn't yeah, it? The only thing I say with McNeil is, and it's easy to say these things with hindsight, but I mean, that was the fourth big tackle yeah. in that game. Yeah. And I've heard a few people kind of say it was a bruising game. I didn't think it was a particularly, I didn't think Stoke were consistently bruising. They just seemed to be consistently bruising towards McNeil, which yeah. might have been a sign of just the fact that obviously there were times when he was one of the few players that seemed to be able to break through the lines and, and wriggle freer players. But I mean, there might be an argument. There might have been an argument to suggest he could have come off a bit earlier because he was being mm. tired. I think. I think when it comes to look at the injuries, though, it's like you know, McNeil, like I say, was in a game. Dan Juma just yeah. seems a slight knock. You know, he probably might be on the bench on Saturday, yeah. so he could be available. Tarkovsky was a precaution by all accounts from Sean Dyche. He, he seems to downplay that quite a bit after the game. He, he, you know, he was quite firm, and you know, it was, well. Say nothing serious, but we don't know until maybe on Thursday when he does a pre-match press conference. It didn't look good, did it? When Tarkovsky went down, he was banging on the floor. He's banging on the floor. He's uh, obviously. I, mean, I, mean, I know we go down yeah. the cliches, but he's not someone who yeah. goes down easily, is he? Yeah, like, I mean, you were looking nice for the kind of going, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, <laughs> like. Um, but we don't know, and obviously Calvert Lewin is, is the reason Calvert Lewin has not features is, is as much to do with Dice, I think, as anything else yeah. in, in how he's managed them. So, I think he's just been it's, it's unlucky, isn't it? I think it's bad luck. I think ultimately. You know, Sean Dyche knew this was going to be a, a rough hand this summer in terms of incomings and recruitment. I think there has been a number of players who haven't have tried to sign but ultimately failed to mm-hmm. bring in for one reason or another. So I think in terms of injuries, it's, ju- it's just bad luck, but it just feels like that bad luck never ends, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it, it just feels <laughs> like, you know, this is meant to be a new season, a fresh start, you know, lying in the sand or all the cliches that we love to we love to say and yet here we are, you know, on eve at the new season, talking about people, you know, doing jobs for the team and round, you know, 
round pegs and square holes and whatnot. So I think it's just it's unlucky, but it's it's look that seemingly evades has evaded Everton over a period of time, not not just in the last few weeks. Yeah. I suppose yeah. where you, you see it's perhaps less bad luck and more there's a degree of poor planning, isn't there, and long-term recruitment issues in yeah. the sense that, so which yeah, and which Kevin Farwell largely yeah. inherited as well. Where where you have a squad that is kind of so threadbare that it, it you know, players are going to get injured and suspended throughout the season, don't you? So, I mean, mm. part of it is build some resilience into that squad so you can have a plan B in Evan for so long, and probably still don't have that plan B. And I think that's probably where. You know, we look back on last summer and uh, you had to start that season. Everton didn't sacrifice the first five games of last season because obviously they expected Dominic Calvert-Lewin to be fit. Yeah. It was a freak injury and they were unfortunate. But what they hadn't done is, you know, and I do think there's a degree to which Lampard and Fowler were, were unfortunate on this because they had a lot of holes to fill in that squad last summer. Um, and you remember the Chelsea game, obviously, there's no Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but Yerry Mina went off injured and Ben Goffey went, went out injured both yeah. for months. And the only reason Evan were able to address their centre-back problem was because they'd reinforced in, in that area with Tarkovsky and, 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 and Cody incoming. But there is just that problem, isn't there, that you don't have that resilience built into the squad and therefore you're always gambling on players being fit. And it does feel that going into this season, there might be still be a few areas where they have to take yeah, that risk I mean, again I know we've been a bit lucky they're not career threatening injuries though aren't they they're, they're, they're not knocks that keep players out for mm. a few games so I'm, I'm not particularly concerned but I think the, the general point and we'll probably talk about this in, in the season preview is, is what you're saying there. and you looked at the bench on, on Saturday looked at the bench on Saturday mm. and there's not a lot on the bench and, and the problem is not now it's it's short in the season isn't mm-hmm. it we're in, in more bruising encounters Longer games, it, it, longer games it, and stuff you know, like we've just spoken about, which yeah. is obviously the top of the agenda at the moment. It, it's I'm not too worried that now it's 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 at that stage of the season, you know. Where, and we all know was it for like seven games in December, don't we? I think something like that. Yeah. Ridiculous amount of not, as ever. Um, it, it, it's the threadbare nature of the squad doesn't concern me now. It, it will concern. Well, it does concern me now, but the impact of it, I think, will only be seen during during the season during mid-season do you think uh, do you think it'll take it'll take going into the season for us to see that or do you think we might see it straight away because I think mean, you've written a piece this morning yeah. about how you know Sean Dyche uh, seems historically reluctant to make substitutes you know he did it so at Burnley you know he, he, he didn't like to change things at Everton he hasn't you know I think he's made use of 49 out of a potential 90 substitutes and those figures are inflated by kind of the changes that he made after games against Man United City yeah, Liverpool yeah. Arsenal were were already lost. If you look back to some of those big games, the two-all draw at Leicester, he made one one change and that was because Coleman got stretched off. You look at the, the Forest game where it felt like Everton could have clung on to that win, but instead you see Forest bring three players on. If games is going to get to, we've already got five subs, you get to 100 minutes, all of a sudden, you end up in a real situation where you almost have two different games Yeah, we've spoken game. about this before. Yeah, How yeah, do yeah. Everton with the squad that they have because they're not going to go and sign six or seven players no. this month how do Evans survive in that world is, is fitness enough because we do suspect that they'll be one of the fitter sides of the league this well, season well there's two aspects of being having a short you know smaller squad isn't it it's the injuries mm. and replacements and as you say the more ongoing one is the game isn't it your options that you've got mm. thinking though that we've got options out wide haven't we mm-hmm. You know, we you know if everybody's fit, we've got options probably in midfield. 
if if everybody if everybody's fit. So I'm 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 not really. I think we can manage that the substitutions mm. bit. It's if it's somebody like a Tarkovsky, like a McNeil, like I don't want to make no names. Probably put the mockers on them, you know. Have a lengthy injury during mm. the season. There's, I mean, there's, there's three or four players that are really crucial to mm. us, aren't they? Carver, Lewin, Tarkovsky. I think an honour I'd like to see somebody's mm. going to be Pickford, Pickford yeah. you know, really crucial to us this year. And um, and I think you don't want don't want one of them. But you take. So it sounds like you might be taking a degree of comfort from the versatility of because because oh, so, yeah. Alan do have a lot of versatile players. Also, and Ashley Young can do a lot, play a lot of different roles. Yeah. Alex Awobi, James Garner, they they do have that in the Dan squad. Dan can can't yeah. he as well? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's what I mean. Versus and, and so that there's we have got a safe players in some positions, and we've got some versatility. So I think the substitutions we can manage. It's it's. We are going to get knocks. Mm. We are going to get injuries, and that's you've only got to see like McNeil being out for a couple of games causes an issue. One or two bad injuries yeah, away from that, a real yeah. struggle, and as we've seen in the last few years, you almost have to anticipate that you are going to get one or two of those bad injuries. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that's what the concern I've got. I think we can manage the in-game stuff through fitness and through. I think that we've got versatile players. Mm. I mean, I've got some, you know, some spare players and some I positions. I think the big thing as well is the double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you look at the bench on Saturday, I think there was four first teams mm. or four senior players, what you categorised them as, and the rest were, I think it was two goalkeepers and then the rest were kids. But then four or five kids, it's probably going to, you know, not aid their developments, is it? They're made to sit around for the season just to play a backup role mm. and play Premier League 2 in case something happens or in case they're needed. Yeah. That's a double-edged thing there, isn't it? Because some of them kids will probably benefit from going out and loaning the, the EFL and developing and gaining a first-team experience rather than sitting around playing Premier League 2 football again. Mm. But then basically having to be there just in case something happens. And I think that's where, again, you see how Fred Bear Evans' squad is in the sense of, you know, if you wrote down the, the, the 20 senior players that they've got, some, you know, probably not in the thinking of Sean Dyche in terms of Cabama and Gomez. You know, Delhi was Sean says himself the weekend is a million miles away from being in being in consideration. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden you have to use like Tyler Oriangu, you know, Mackenzie Hunt, be, be kids are having to backfill basically. But then that age stops their development because they can't go out alone and gain, and you, be, mm. you can't gauge and understand of where they are in terms of their development as well. So that's where I think Everton really, you know, feel the the, the kind of the backlash of the of the poor recruitment and the lack of you know planning over the years because them kids might you know, be able to benefit from a loan, don't get the chance to go out on loan because they're going to have to stick around in case they're needed or called upon throughout the, the season. Yeah, you'd like to think we get three more players in that, wouldn't you? Between now yeah, and the end of the season. The target is, is, is to get think, a, a meeting at the very least two more. Two more, maybe three. You know, as you say, I think we all know centre-half, striker and a, and a right-winger will be, yeah, will I think be centre, ideal. Centre-forward and, stri- and yeah, right-winger, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Gav mentioned his name there. We'll, we'll wrap up now, but we'll finish on a positive. And, and that was from, from Saturday. Amadou Inanna really was excellent, wasn't he? I think we, we've mentioned Evan had a slow start to the game and they could have been well behind it after half an hour. But after that, they kind of came into it and they, they were the better side against Sport. And I think we could all take some heart from that. And along a big part of that was the, you know, the progress that Onana made within that 90 minutes wasn't it he was yeah, dominant the thing, the thing for me was about half an hour in wasn't it where you know Everton had laboured a little bit in possession and mm. had been second best and you know he picked up the ball in his own half and just drove forward up the pitch and in the end he was let down by his decision making because he opted to try and play 
find Alex Awobi who then sort of cross cut out mm. and she just had a, a shot at goal obviously he then has a shot at goal in the second half and it's the post which is you know, really unlucky he's still incredibly raw and we still saw signs of his, his rawness and naivety on, on Saturday you know you think of the rash challenge where he got booked and mm. the one where um, he got caught I think daydreaming and you know gives the ball away in his own area and no one must cost us a chance but we are now starting to see I think signs of where he can take the game by the scruff of the neck and be that powerhouse midfielder that we hoped that we bought last summer and you know obviously when he come in people were comparing him to the IR Touring and people like that in terms of that ability to just drag your team up the pitch 25-30 yards we didn't really see that that much last year and obviously he had injury problems and you know probably struggled in the sense of the change of manager and, and, and mm. stuff and how things changed tactically but on Saturday I thought we saw real signs of that kind of almost that you know, responsibility of like, well, mm. I'll drag the team up the pitch, you know, I'll, I'll get us into their own half and, and I'm going to drive forward with the ball. And, and if we start to see more of that, then we, you know, you understand why these so-called big clubs are all meant to be looking at them and monitoring them over the years because, you know, in terms of, I wrote this on, on in the analysis, you know, if he fulfills his potential and, you know, everyone can fine-tune him over the, the next season, over this coming season, then they've got one hell of a player on their hands because he's got all the attributes to be a top class midfielder I we just need to see yeah, this on a regular basis Everton don't have many of these but he's, he could be a game changer couldn't he oh, if, he, if he takes the next step in his development if Everton can get 10 performances out of him this season like they did in a home game against Arsenal where he was magnificent if they can get 10 of them then they'll be in a lot better set won't they I think trying to find that consistency oh yeah yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean I was, I was when I was thinking of the squad I was thinking you know when you talk about like the squads last year and thinking well there's players there who are now a year older you know I was thinking like Tarkovsky's in his early 30s Garner Gay's a year older you know Decore's a year older obviously Coleman's a year older and you're thinking oh we've got an age of squad but the counter to that is you've got some younger players who are promising who are going to develop you would hope you'll see passing in year mm. on developing and on McNeil's nowhere near his his peak is he James you know? Garner James Garner so for every player I think Chimichi of this year old, yeah 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 you've got like players that you would think you know we say compare the squad this time last year that's at the age they were last year yeah. this season with the good pre-season staying fit some of those younger players you would hope collectively will do more than what they did last season mm. I'm not just caught talking about Anana there either I mean, we'll probably discuss this more on Friday but it feels like on and off the pitch for a whole array of reasons there is light at the end of the tunnel Absolutely. for Everton isn't it they've just got to get through this season first and you know maintain the top flight status haven't they and, and then you know new stadium on the horizon another bad year rolling off the the FFP um well I'll play year rolling ne- next year and then well. then there's a the, the big opportunity the real opportunity for Kevin Farwell to and potentially Sean Dice obviously be out of contract next summer so obviously that's another thing for later on this year but um that'll be something that's really interesting to follow next summer's the summer that you can overhaul this squad isn't it you know I think but then it'd be nice wouldn't it like what you see there in terms of Gav says and if you started to overhaul it but with the crux of them players that's like it, yeah, there is there's Patterson, a there's a young Dominic Carvel, there's a young Lula, positive there's then, a young you know. positive core there that could you know be a core for the next five or six years isn't Jordan it? Pickford will still be around I know you've got to so I was you know thinking about that you could have like this season like Carver Loom with Dan Zuma just playing behind him. Mm-hmm. Then like you got wide left McNeil, then Anana, James Garner, mm. and a right winger, whoever that might be, a yeah. Wobi or something like that. That's like a that's a decent yeah. midfield and mm. front front six, isn't it, really, if you think about it. In terms of the, there's a lot of quality there and promise and, and if you get that sort of line up on the pitch, 
you know, in yeah. the majority of games. I think you're definitely right about the light being the end of the tunnel, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well shows when the Kenfall is actually doing an okay, yeah. a good job in, in difficult, real difficult yeah. circumstances. Yeah. I think I said yeah. this a while ago. He's probably the right type to the football at the wrong time. Well, if you if you have a look, I mean, like, conscious of time, but if you have a look at the 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 recruitment since the start last summer. And what we've done so far this summer, and what we will do, you'll see. I think you'll see a big sea change there to mm. what we've done in the, pre- the years preceding. That well, I think the players that have come in either don't get any worse, could it? Well, no, we <laughs> could have probably done a better job, but you can see there's a logic to it, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, that's that's been. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much for listening. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll be back with you on Friday. Thank you. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast, the Liverpool Echo. 